0: On this episode of Common Mystics, we are joined by the incredible Nicole Bigley of A Psychic's Story podcast to discuss our experiences and findings in the greater Cincinnati area. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are Common Mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today's story comes to you from Southgate, Kentucky.
1: Yay! Nicole, people are going to be really scared for you to
2: think that we actually kept you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that I'm still, I'm living in your little pockets.
1: (laughs) She's safe,
2: everyone. (laughs) I'm safe. I know. I lovingly said that they kidnapped me. I went along willingly and I'm back home safe and sound. But no, this was so fun and I'm really excited to dive in. Yay. Okay, let's get started. Jennifer.
0: Our listeners already know that we hooked up with Nicole in Cincinnati. We did a whole little walk around OTR, and we found a bunch of stuff that we talked about in episode 83. But the fun didn't end there.
1: No, ma'am.
2: It sure did
1: not. We got in the car, and we headed south. Right. And of course, we still had set our intention for the day. Do you want to remind everyone what our
0: intention is? Well, why not? (laughs) Why not? We asked the spirits to lead us to a verifiable story previously unknown to us that allowed us to give voice to the voiceless.
1: That's right. And Nicole was coming up with some monster hits. Let's get right into it.
2: Yeah. So even before we were getting to the car, I know that we were leaving. Well, wasn't really leaving over the Rhine, but we were kind of done with the original story that we had uncovered before. I, we felt that. And so we were what I would call wrapping up. And Jen, you pointed out a church that was across the street and said, or it, sorry, Jill, Jill said. I answered I to because, anything. <laughs> I know. Well, because Jen was taking such meticulous notes. So Jill said there's a church across the street that's of significance somehow. And so I just was kind of pausing and I saw multiple churches in my mind's eye. And then as we were walking towards the car, because we were parked over by a Finley market area, which is one of the older markets in Ohio and one of the originals in Cincinnati. And I kept seeing tents like makeshift tents and then churches and ref, like it felt like a place of refuge. And that was even before we got to the car. And then when we said where are we headed, we said, let's go to the river. It's so true. So that was that. And then as we were crossing over meaning over the Rhine and towards the river before we even got to the bridge, there was a building that I believe it was more like a a trading building and it said stockyard. And I said, it doesn't feel like a stockyard with animals. I saw people being held. And then so Jen wrote that piece down. So I think that's what I had. Mm
1: -hmm. I just want to say the good people of Cincinnati, literally, we're in the parking lot outside of a popular farmer's market. And Nicole is full on psychic, just walking around, pointed to things, and just people are walking by us as we're having this conversation about the things that are coming to us. Think about that for mm-hmm. a second. Like, I
2: didn't even really, yeah, no, I was just walking around like,
1: whatever. Yeah, yeah, we were not shy. We were like, and something over here, and something over here. And those those fine people of Cincinnati did not care. They had zero Fs. They had no idea what was going on. And somehow, I always think I look the craziest because I'm the asshole with the notebook. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You're just like writing curiously down. Cause there's yeah, two of us pointing. Like we're tour guides. <laughs> right. Oh, that's a good that's, point. Yeah. So maybe they thought it was just a tour it tour
1: group. Was, it was a, what a sad, tour group. What a sad yes. tour group. The one person taking <laughs> notes and like the two instructors. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jen, what were you You're picking fine. up on?
0: Right around the time that Nicole was picking up on people as stock. I was also drawn to the Underground Railroad Museum as we were driving right over the Ohio River. I saw it and, you know, like Jill, you like to say something will come out at you in 3D. That's Mm -hmm. how the, the Underground Railroad Museum felt. And I just felt that whole feeling of enslaved people, people seeking freedom, People seeking refuge, you know, in in a very strong way. And so I wrote that down because it seemed like Nicole picking up on people
1: as stock was kind of in the same area. So what's interesting about that is that when we crossed over to Kentucky, I feel like the whole energy shift, it felt uneasy for some reason. Mm. It felt like there was more
2: to be seen than what we were seeing. I felt confused. Like that, too. Yeah. Mm. Like disoriented, I didn't know where to go, what direction to go in.
1: Like vulnerable would be a good word. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: Continue. It was definitely a different energy. And I think that, Jill, you and I can talk in in our detours about our experience on the street in Covington. And Nicole. And Nicole, if, if Nicole we can, can, if, she, yeah. can join us, that'd be great. If
1: we can even every more. bit of energy out of this girl.
2: <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I'm only going to see you guys this week, too, in person again. I know. Anyway.
1: We're going to get more stories. That's my goal. I know. Okay.
2: okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Okay. Continue. Sorry. Okay.
1: So we walked
0: a little bit around a neighborhood in Covington, which was super bizarre, but we'll get into that later. And after we explored Covington, we
1: drove into Newport. Now, Jill, we were seeking something specific. We always look for the cemeteries. Whenever we're confused, we're always like, we need to find the cemetery. So off we went looking for the oldest cemetery we can find in the area. And the closest.
2: And the closest. (laughs) And the closest. Which we didn't know. We were saying, where is the cemetery? Let's just go there. But yes.
0: And remind me, Jill, did you look on your phone for the oldest cemetery? Is that how we knew where to go?
1: i don't remember did i look on my phone i don't remember i either. always have car you did. Did you did i yeah you okay.
2: yeah you looked up on your phone and we both actually were because jen was taking the notes and so we're <laughs> <Poor> Jennifer. <laughs> she's in the back seat and we so we before we you took off we were looking up cemetery and you were johnny on the spot and said there's one right around the corner and i think it was called the old newport cemetery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that sounds yes. right that sounds
1: right. So we start driving, and... You know it's funny? <laughs> we are looking for a cemetery, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty good with directions. Like, I can read a map. You well, know you what I'm saying? can sniff out a cemetery I like a hound. I can sniff out. I'm a cemetery hound. But we get to where the cemetery should be. It's saying you have arrived. (laughs) Exactly. It's like destination ended. It's to your right. And instead of a cemetery, we see a school, like a grammar school, like a full on modern day grammar school. Well, it was
2: an intermediate school. What's the difference? I don't have kids, so I can't say. Me either.
1: It was a school. It was was a (laughs) school.
2: In my day, we only had one type of school. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it was a school. It wasn't a cemetery at all. It was literally a school. So that that prompted more Google searches. And I'm
2: still, yeah, I'm still looking around for the graves thinking, well, maybe it's across the street. Google has it wrong. But yeah, no. So yeah. So then I immediately get on my phone and start looking and found this article. And it said what, Jen? It said that... The old Newport Cemetery had indeed
0: been moved. It had been there at the location of where the school is now and had been moved. Yeah. And so as we were walking around the grounds again, Nicole, you are so bold. I, I wasn't going to try
1: to get into the grounds, but um, we you know, we as found... Jennifer was telling me not to try to break in. Nicole's <laughs> like, like, hey, look, this is open. And we're like, all right.
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, in all fairness, if <laughs> when we parked, we parked in the parking lot, which was empty and the parking lot was open and we could have walked around through the parking lot to the playground. True. Okay. <laughs> but we went to the front <laughs> so it was open and there was, was no open. breaking center. I did not break any, I didn't break any laws. She didn't. uh, But if you did, I would have been on board.
1: If (laughs) you did, I would have so been like, I guess we're breaking in now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. But so we went to the side and there was this gate and I said, well, let's just see if it's open. And I just pushed right on through (laughs) and we were, and then the moment we did that, the energy just felt really off because we were standing on the grounds, looking at a school and a playground where children would play. And it felt Very sad and hard and spooky and also knowing that it used to be a cemetery, Mm -hmm. just looking out at the thing. It was very surreal for me because in my mind's eye, I could then see it as a cemetery from back in the day and not as a school. So it felt very surreal to me. Mm
1: I sat, there is this like large circle planter, I guess. I don't know. But I remember sitting, looking at the front doors to the school, feeling like it, it just shouldn't be there. Like I was looking at this building and I'm like, this isn't right. Like I'm looking at it and it just felt so wrong to have it be there.
0: And I think all three of us felt really strongly that there were still graves left behind, that there were human remains thousand percent. Yeah. Buried under, under the playground, under the parking lot that they were still there and and they hadn't been moved.
2: Well, this was the first time I'd actually, you know, those apps on your phone where you can put your phone up and see the sky and see the stars and see everything kind of mapped. And you can also point it down to the ground and see what the stars are on, on the other side of the earth. I
1: did not know that.
2: Yeah. When I looked down at my feet, I saw bones and I saw like weight, like almost kind of as if it was an X-ray. And that's what I said. The, the creep factor really set in. And then when I looked at the building, I saw brick by brick and then bones inside the brick too. Uh, uh,
1: uh. Uh, I don't know how you sleep at night. Cause that is chilling. That's like my worst fear to see, like because of the movie The Changeling when I was a kid, the little boy coming out of the ground. That is like my worst fear.
2: They're not allowed to come to me in my sleep. But anyway, so that's what I saw.
1: (laughs) And while we were there, that's when you were describing to me the soldiers.
2: Yeah. So when you were looking, Jill, at, this, at the building and you were taking a lot of time and just like, this is not right. This, you just kept saying this is not right. This is not right. Think about the poor children that are there and the kids. And they have this energy. It felt very oppressive energy. Mm-hmm. And I think because, again, we were all sensing that people hadn't been respected in their graves had just been literally built over. It was a parking lot. Mm. That I think, if anything, it's not even a building. It's this building and then this parking lot just paved over. Mm. No regard whatsoever. But that said, as we were leaving, because you guys were like, we're done. Let's get in the car. I went to turn and right up on the top of the building, I saw a huge line of soldiers. We talked about this a little bit in the last episode. Just in a row looking down and they all looked really solemn and very serious. And then they were just standing there. And that was... I was like, okay, there's are soldiers here. Interesting. And it, I felt like it was con- the Civil War time, mm-hmm. but I wasn't really sure because the uniforms, they were not all matching and they didn't look like necessarily the uniforms that I have seen in h- the history books. Mm-hmm.
1: When you were describing that, in my mind, I, as you were describing it, it felt like like a castle you were describing because you were describing people on top of the mm-hmm. building lining up. So in my mind, I was thinking castle,
2: Yeah. And that's why the hit was a little bit interesting because I didn't feel like they were defending. They were because they were in line. There was a purpose of them being in line, Mm. but they were looking very solemn. Like there was a seriousness of a defense Mm. and that there was a barrier Mm. between me and the school, essentially, i.e. maybe even the river. I don't know.
1: Wow. Jeez. So, Jen, what do we know about the old Newport Cemetery? Because that is just, well, now the school. What do we know about the school Well, that's on top (laughs) of the old Newport Cemetery? While we were there, we actually got our phones out because we could not help it. No one can blame us for that. Like,
0: legit. We learned that the old Newport Cemetery had operated on that location, but not very long, only from 1820
1: to 1848. That's long enough. (laughs) To leave the bodies there. (laughs) After
0: that time, many of the early burials were relocated to another cemetery outside of town known as Evergreen Cemetery in Southgate, Kentucky. And when the school, which was at first a high school, was built on that old cemetery site in 1872, human remains were found, i.e.
1: they forgot some bones But then in 1872, they got all of the bones out, and that mistake would not happen again. Well, actually,
0: (laughs) in the 1990s, there was an addition built onto the present building, and again, human remains were uncovered.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Suffice to say, our impressions were correct, in my opinion, and still, there are graves there. But the thing that we felt then, knowing this, is we had to go to the Evergreen Cemetery, we, it, was, it wasn't even a discussion. We were all like, well, we're going to the Evergreen Cemetery now. Because
2: we said, where did they go? We felt drawn energetically.
0: Yes, we sure did.
1: So then we get in the car. And we went to the Evergreen
0: Cemetery in Southgate, Kentucky. And yeah. Do you remember what,
1: what happened when we first got there? Nicole is like, "Make a left." <laughs> I remember that. To say, Jill said, I wanted, "Go to the
2: right." I, and Jill re- said, "Go right," and I said, "No, left." <laughs> and I was like, "She's a guest, so stupid." <laughs> and, and since my kidnappers are very, you know, supportive, <laughs> they took me to the left. <laughs> and, and what did we find? This is crazy. First thing, graves, obviously, because we're in a cemetery. But they were Civil War graves from soldiers, and they were all, all lined up all in a row, lined up. Row after row. This massive cemetery, too. This wasn't just you could have gone in different directions, like Jill said, right or left. But also, I think there was even a forward kind of path. And we're like, as soon as we got there, where do we go? Which direction? And so it took us right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. I do want to call one other thing out just real quick. Is that when we were looking at the Civil War soldiers uh, gravestones, they also had loved ones, like some of them, they're, they're w- the women, remember we said that that was really unique, yeah. that the their wives, some of them were also buried alongside them, but that stood out, I think, too, based on what we're going to talk about here. Okay. I think that's a good point.
1: So we we're standing at these soldiers' graves, looking at the Civil War soldiers. While we were standing there, Jen was taking notes and I turned my back to the, the graves and I was looking in the opposite direction, and it felt to me like it was a movie set. Literally. Hmm. It's a very pretty, pretty cemetery. And if it wasn't a movie set, I feel like someone from Hollywood should scout that area out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember you saying you felt movie set, you felt Hollywood. And I didn't write that down. That actually didn't get into the notes, but I remember. Only because
1: you think I'm dramatic anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, oh, she's feeling Hollywood.
0: Oh, are you again?
1: (laughs) But then before we left
0: Evergreen, Jill, you hit on something else that ended up being really pivotal.
1: Poor people's unmarked graves. So like a potter's field, pauper's field. Is that right?
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And and so at that point, we were done with our adventure for the day. But going into the research, there were some questions that I know I was driven by. And some of them were, who were the soldiers that Nicole was seeing? And why did they come to Nicole when we were at the old Newport Cemetery location, which is now the school? And why did they lead us to Evergreen Cemetery? So I did some research on Evergreen Cemetery. I started there. You're like a detective. What'd you find? I found that Evergreen Cemetery, located in Southgate, Kentucky, is actually the largest cemetery in Campbell County. Mm. And actually, Evergreen is known to keep meticulous records of the people buried there In fact, the very first man buried there was, well, the first person buried at Evergreen was a man named John M. Howe. And he was buried at the, quote, new Evergreen Cemetery in 1849 after the old Newport Cemetery closed, right? So his was the very first new grave buried there. Other early plots had been moved from that older cemetery in Newport to Evergreen,
1: Not only is this a cemetery that has meticulous notes, but it also had like a walking tour, if I'm correct, that you can walk to different locations around the cemetery and there would be historical markers explaining whose grave you're looking at.
2: Mm -hmm. It was after we were ready to leave. We're like, let's get out of here. It had just been a lot. But we noticed, yes, exactly that. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's because there are a lot of very notable
0: people that are buried in that cemetery. Like who? David Leach, who developed the first settlement in Campbell County along the Licking River. at The Licking
1: River? My goodness. (laughs) That's what it says. What are they doing down there in
2: Kentucky? You have Big Bone Lick, the Licking River? Jesus. Yeah, I wasn't born in Kentucky. I was born in Ohio. So, you know. (laughs) James
0: Taylor and his wife were the founders of Newport. They are both buried there, as well as many influential business people and culturally important people from northern Kentucky are also buried there. And so, yes, Evergreen has very meticulous records, and there are a lot of famous people, famous and important people that are buried at Evergreen. Okay. But Evergreen's also famous for another reason, Jill. Why? Are you sitting down? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> remember when you were talking about sensing a movie scene? Yeah, it's it's a pretty cemetery. Do you remember the movie Rain Man with Tom Cruise, 1988? And wanna watch Wapner. Exactly. Parts of Rain Man, there's a scene in Rain Man that was filmed at Evergreen.
1: That's crazy. It literally was a movie set. I'm trying to I love that movie. Do you know that movie, Nicole mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I don't remember that scene. Are you impressed with yourself? No. Oh, <laughs> I'm Lord. confused because I'm trying to trying to think of the scene. But yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm impressed.
0: I'm impressed. <laughs> but I'll take it. Perhaps most significantly, there is a very important structure located inside Evergreen Cemetery. And that is known as The Shaler battery.
1: Okay, so stop a second. Can you describe what a battery is for me? Because I'm thinking Energizer, I'm thinking Bunny. Okay, no, no, not that
0: kind of battery. A battery is an earthwork fortification that's built on a hill. And there were 28 batteries built in Northern Kentucky during the Civil War. Located on a hill at the highest point in Evergreen is the Shaler Battery, and it was built to protect Cincinnati from Confederate soldiers during the Civil War. Oh. Uh And Union soldiers camped out on the high ground at the Battery could then spot the Confederate forces moving in from the south.
2: It was really hilly, it mm, is really yes, hilly. It I is. mean, to the point where I was wondering why build a cemetery on this because it is so jagged, essentially. To the point when you were looking
1: and were walking down by the Civil War soldiers, I was worried about you. I was.
0: Because you had your heels heels on. on,
2: Yeah, yeah, you had those cute (laughs) shoes on. But it was also really steep. It was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I could have rolled down and attacked my geese. Jen and Joe took me out. (laughs) Took me out. Not the geese. A whole host of mishaps could have befallen (laughs) Nicole. (laughs) And she was in our
1: care. I know she was in our care. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that didn't
0: happen. (laughs) Exactly. We got her out safe. So the battery was named for Dr. Nathaniel Berger Shaler, who was a prominent physician from Newport whose estate once bordered the cemetery, and he offered his family's hilltop vineyard as a site for the battery. The Shaler family estate would later be purchased by the cemetery, and now the cemetery encompasses the whole thing. If you go to Evergreen, now we, we did not explore this, but a portion of the Shaler earthwork still is there, as well as a part of the earthen ramp and some drainage ditches that were dug in 1862. And the rifle pits were filled in to form a road, which is now paved.
1: The rifle pits in my head, it's like a ditch where people are laying. Yes. And on like on their bellies. Right, for safety, Uh, okay. Yeah, so they would dig
0: in, and then the the guns would be higher. Like a trench. Yes, Yes. exactly,
1: exactly. (laughs) Oh, my.
0: Yes, isn't that incredible? So much history. But there are more questions. So at this point, I was wondering, why were the batteries needed in northern Kentucky, and when exactly were they built? Especially because we had been talking about the fact that Cincinnati was never part of the Civil War in terms of, like, battles, right? A, a battle. Yeah, exactly. So I did some research. What'd you find? I found this event that's actually called the Defense of Cincinnati, and it occurred during the Civil War. I had never heard of it. Have you? I haven't. Nicole? Nicole, had you?
2: I heard it very briefly in at some point in <laughs> history class and with, with my family being from here. I knew that Cincinnati had played a significant role in defending itself, but I didn't know the intricacies or the ins and outs of of what happened. Well, let me tell you what I found out. Please do. The defense
0: of Cincinnati occurred during the Kentucky Campaign of the American Civil War in September of 1862. When Union forces were defeated at the Battle of Richmond, On August 30th, 1862, the route to Ohio was opened up for the Confederate forces and they looked to move north to flex their power.
1: So they were feeling themselves and
0: they're like, we're headed north. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. Confederate General Henry Heth was sent north from Lexington, Kentucky to threaten Cincinnati, Ohio, which was then the sixth largest city in the United States. Now, Heth was never planning to attack the city per se, but he was instead told to go there and make like a demonstration.
2: How do you make a demonstration if you're in war? I mean, just, hi, I'm here, and just show up? That's a good point. I guess that would be
1: scary if the army suddenly showed up. Like, if I think modern-day warfare, I think Mm -hmm. something similar would be, like, North Korea, like, pivoting their missiles. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. how it feels like it's just... Like, I got big guns? Yes. That's how it feels. It's like a Mm -hmm. big old, yeah, I'm here, what? What? (laughs) Like that kind of energy. Scare
2: them. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe they just came to town and, like, walked up and down the streets and, like, were rude to people. Do you
2: know what I mean? Like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) but They just show their sheer force. I don't know. It just – it sounds like not very good strategy and move to just show up and let everybody know how many people – you have on your in your army mm, but that's a good point i'm not a, i'm not a i'm not a wartime general but thank god
1: what but- i know about cincinnati just from our last episode is that those people do not give a fuck like they'll be <laughs> like what true. you want <laughs> what okay you're here so are we let's do this like that's how that seems to me in cincinnati they found
0: out that basically the confederate army is coming and so the mayor ordered all the businesses closed Mm. And the Union general, General Lew Wallace, declared martial law, which is basically a temporary rule in times of war. So now all of like the laws of the land, you can forget about it, like all your civil liberties and everything. That's all on hold because the army's coming and now the general's in charge. It's martial law. Which is why we have our
2: guns. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I was thinking so we can drink on Sunday. That's where my Mm -hmm.
2: mind went. He shut down all the businesses, including the bars, Jill. (laughs) He wouldn't. So the riots wouldn't happen again. So not only that,
0: the military seized 16 steamboats and armed them on the Ohio River and the, cin- mm. the citizens of Cincinnati, Covington and Newport, Kentucky organized to take part in the defense of Cincinnati. OK, nice. so shit's happening now.
2: Yeah, because if they're coming from the south up north and they're going to hit and they're going through Lexington and they hit Covington and, and Newport, it essentially is an extension of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't want you to blow through our towns in order to try and get to Cincinnati because we are an extension of that. So they're protecting their land as well. Exactly. I can see that.
1: Hang in there, guys. We'll be right back. Hi,
0: everyone. We are so excited to unveil the first book in our series entitled Common Mystics Present Ghost on the Road, Volume 1, Murders and Mysterious Deaths. It's everything you love about Common Mystics and more. It's a retelling of 10 of our favorite stories from our pod with exciting extras. Extras like souvenirs, what we took away from the experience, and what to know if you go if you decide to travel in our footsteps. Pre-order the Kindle edition now. All other formats of the book will be available for purchase at Amazon.com on July 1st, 2023.
1: Thanks, guys. Now back to the show.
0: And so that's when fortifications, namely 28 batteries, were built far enough away from Cincinnati that if the Confederates got to the batteries, they couldn't reach Cincinnati with their guns and they couldn't shell the city. So the batteries were defended by 25,000 Union Army soldiers and 45,000 local militia volunteers and 15,000 squirrel hunters. That's, in in quotes, squirrel hunters.
1: I... That is a, that's lot. a lot. A lot. That makes me so happy. <laughs> that's so
2: cute. What's a squirrel hunter? Someone
1: who's hunting squirrels.
0: Well, they were untrained volunteers who basically didn't have like good equipment. They just used their squirrel that's hunting guns. Rude. Well, still
1: that's still Well, that's rude to squirrel hunters because they're saying that squirrel hunting isn't like a real hunting thing. Okay. It's rude. It's not. <laughs> They can be wily <laughs> or squirrels. That's a lot of people.
0: That's a lot of people who helped organize this defense of Cincinnati. So, Confederate General Heth and his men marched from Lexington, Kentucky, on the Lexington Turnpike, which is Route 25 today. General Heth and his men arrived south of Covington on September 6th, but they found all the defenses and all the fortifications and pretty much said this attack is pointless there's there's no reason to even try to get to cincinnati there's it's just too much trouble with all of these fortifications attack i thought he was going to make a demonstration right. <laughs> well it, it was it was just pointless to even try to get past it and so his forces stayed just a couple days and engaged in just a few insignificant skirmishes and then they turned around and returned to lexington on september 12th
1: and, you know, this is the second time I'm hearing that Cincinnati showed up, was all like, what, what? And then they're like, no, never mind, I'm leaving. The it, From last week's story <laughs> and now this story. Yeah,
2: true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we still
0: had more questions at this point. Mm-hmm. What questions did you have? Well, I wanted to know who built the batteries that saved Cincinnati from the Confederates. Who did? You're not going to believe this.
1: Maybe you are. I bet
0: you I will. I'm <laughs> reading it. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the Black Brigade? No, I have not. Neither had I. The Black Brigade of Cincinnati was a group of free African-Americans organized in 1862 to participate in the defense of Cincinnati. So 706 members of the Black Brigade built fortifications in Kentucky to protect Cincinnati. They had no weapons and only had a few cavalry scouts between them and the Confederate troops. Cause if you think about it, the people who are building these
2: fortifications, they're out in enemy territory.
1: That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And so how long and you may not know this, but how long from when they got word that hey, somebody's coming up because again they're walking. Yeah. You know, from Lexington up, so how long did they have to days, like scramble and days, to build this? Because the
0: wow. army decided to come on August 30th. So it was the 1st of September mm-hmm. that word that they they started marching north and that the north got <sighs> word that they were coming. So we're talking days and he arrived on the 6th if you remember. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. Yeah, yeah. And so they this built is a 28 quick turnaround.
1: huh? 28 different batteries, 28 yes, different 28 locations. 28 batteries
0: on the south and side of the Ohio days. River opposite Cincinnati to defend Cincinnati. Oh God. So, what you need to know though is that you know, in my mind, it's it's so simple and every I get caught in this thinking that Ohio is free, you know? black people are are happy there black people are free and south of the river there's slavery black people are sad you know what i mean like that's it's yeah. so simple in my brain and it's not so simple in real life
1: in all fairness it was taught to us very simple very black and white right so this work we're learning a lot about the gray areas in american history exactly
0: and so cincinnati being mm-hmm. in ohio a free state It was a little surprising to me at first that race relations in Cincinnati at the time were incredibly volatile. So being right across the river from Kentucky, some people in Ohio were aggressively barring Black people from migrating to the state. The intensity of those sentiments rose to the point of destruction of property killing and mob violence against black people since about the 1830s. So much so that American abolitionist and speaker Peter H. Clark stated about Cincinnati, quote, nowhere has the prejudice against colored people been more cruelly manifested than here.
2: Wow. Ugh. Just because it was a North and it was a free state wasn't free, which, which is also why I felt stockyard and people with stock and still looked at as a commodity
0: exactly
1: Again,
2: what's triggering me from this statement
1: is that the people of Cincinnati once again have zero fucks to give. They're, they are rioting. They are being aggressive with violence to use their strength and numbers to prevent what they don't want to happen. Mm -hmm. The other interesting thing that I found through my research is
0: that some of the biggest antagonists towards this racial aggression towards the, the black free people in Cincinnati were the Irish because the Irish had had moved into Cincinnati and when the free the free black people were coming over the river, they were taking the jobs from the
2: Irish. And also what's sick about that whole thing is is that the black people that were coming in and having those jobs wasn't because they were getting equal pay. They were probably like getting next to nothing. And right. that's what the conflict was.
1: Can it's like, can you imagine like going through the Underground Railroad and making it over or through the Ohio River to be like, I'm safe, just to have some asshole be like, uh uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh uh-uh. That would yeah. suck. Sorry. Continue. Yeah. And there were like straight up race
0: riots where they would go into the black neighborhoods and pull people out of their houses and just really just terrorize, terrorize entire neighborhoods just to just to flex and put them in their place. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, so fast forward, August 1862. The imminent threat of a Confederate attack is upon the city of Cincinnati. And black Cincinnatians met to organize a home guard and offer their services to defend the Union cause in defense of the city. Now, hearing that they were meeting to discuss providing service during the war, many people tried to shut down the meeting and intimidate them. For helping? For wanting to help? Yes. Yes. They were told it's a white man's war. We don't need your help. Stop organizing,
2: well, heck, yeah, because they want to they want to solidify their freedom. What little freedom they have at that moment in time they It's their fight too,
0: of course, by September first, eighteen sixty two Cincinnati was bracing itself from an attack from the South, and the Union Army regiments from Ohio, Indiana, and other northern states were ordered to the Cincinnati area to defend it from the advancing Confederate Army. General Wallace, who had placed the city under martial law, assumed command of the city. And the mayor asked for all the men to assist in the defense of the city. And the police force was placed under Wallace's command to act as kind of a provost guard or, in other words, military police or marshals. Right. So now Mm -hmm. the police are under order. Now you work for the military, you know, organize this defense. So what did they do? On September 2nd, 1862, the Cincinnati police roughly and abruptly rounded up black male residents at gunpoint without a plan, without any explanation. They arrested all the black men they could find from the streets, from their workplaces, from their homes. These people were given no explanation whatsoever about where they were going or why they were being rounded up. They were put in a mule pen on Plum Street.
1: Jesus.
0: They were taken then across the river and forced into a camp without the opportunity to prepare for camp life. A lot of them were afraid that they were being taken to Kentucky to become enslaved. They had no idea what was happening.
2: Especially after they said, I want to help. And then they were told no. And then they're rounded up by gunpoint and put in a cam.
0: Right. About 400 men, 400 men were taken to camps and were held there for two days where they worked continuously for 36 hours without sleep and received half
2: rations of food. He said that they worked continuously for 36 hours without sleep. So but what were they working on?
0: They were forced to work as camp cooks, as laundrymen for the Union troops, and as servants. Okay. Now, General Wallace, remember the guy in charge, the Mm -hmm. Union general? Martial law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. He finds out about this mistreatment, and he's immediately alarmed. He is pissed that it happened. Yes. He puts a man named Colonel Dixon in charge, and Colonel Dixon let the seized men return home. He's like, everybody's free. Go back home. And he announced that there's going to be a new call for volunteers, for Black volunteers. Right now, just go home to your families, regroup. What an emotional roller coaster I'm on right now. So Dixon says, we're going to do a call for all Black volunteer men who want to help this cause. Okay. In the meantime, all the police, they were fired for their military duty. Oh. Wow.
2: Action was actually taken. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And and then the police promised not to arrest any more Black men except for criminal activity, whatever. Jeez. And so then the Black men who managed not to be arrested by the police, they had escaped to the country and were being hidden secretly so that they wouldn't be rounded up. Now they came back home.
1: Oh, my God.
0: At 5 a.m. on September 5th, the call goes out for volunteers And I almost want to cry right now because 706 volunteers reported for duty and were put to work. Mm. Many of the men were from Cincinnati, but others came from other areas of Southern Ohio. And with Colonel Dixon in charge, the soldiers of the Black Brigade received their own military flag and $13 Mm. a month, which was the same as a Union Army's private pay along with other various privileges, including the right to visit their families.
1: I never heard of William M. Dixon before, but I'm literally going to look him up because that is something. It's it, That's some glory type shit.
2: Yeah, really. Exactly. The movie glory. That is some glory type shit right here. Speaking of a movie set. Mm-hmm. Hollywood telling. hmm <laughs> Hollywood.
1: <laughs> that should be my stage name. Hollywood is your stage name?
0: Mm-hmm. So they built a bridge and they brought the Black Brigade into northern Kentucky and they commenced the work that consisted of digging the rifle pits, clearing the trees, building the forts, magazines and roads. And they conducted work almost a mile in front of the lines. Once they were nearly mistaken for Confederate soldiers and attacked due to how far away they were from the Union
2: troops. Oh my God, I just got chills from that.
1: It's like these poor people, my God, they're rounded up, they're let go. (laughs) Freedom, I want my freedom. I'm working. Leave me alone
2: here. Holy shit.
1: My God, there is not enough Xanax and sage and lavender in the world to get me through this week into September of 1862 in Cincinnati. (laughs) So they dug the trenches, they built the
0: batteries. And they continued to work until September 20th, long after General Heth and his 8,000 soldiers had already reached the fortifications and then withdrew back to Louisville. And there was no longer a threat to Cincinnati, and they were released from their from their duty.
1: Question: The gentleman that came up from Louisville to be like, "What you want to fight? What
0: General Heth?"
1: Yeah, he just he was like, oh, man, they're like way too (laughs) legit organized. So I'm out. Yeah. okay. He's like, they're way
2: too well defended. I wonder what they saw. So how many did Heth have? And then how many again? 8,000. And they they saw. Yeah, they saw the batteries. But that was defended by the 25,000 Union Army soldiers, 45,000 local militia volunteers and the 15,000 squirrel hunters. Exactly.
1: Uh, I will say this. The Black Brigade was a mile ahead of all those mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. making these This, this infrastructure.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's crazy. They were literally the first line of defense, i.e. that line that we saw. Exactly.
0: Yes. yes. Ooh, Nicole, mm. look at you. When they were relieved of their duty on September 20th, they presented Dixon with an engraved sword that was engraved by the members of the brigade. They were so thankful to him. Oh, my God. And he thanked them by saying, and I quote, you have labored cheerfully and effectively. Go to your homes with a consciousness of having performed your duty and bearing with you the gratitude and respect of all honorable men.
1: I got goosebumps. There
0: is such a legacy here because, you guys, the Black Brigade, Of Cincinnati was the very first organization of African Americans to be used for military purposes by the North during the American Civil War. You mentioned Glory. That was the Massachusetts 54th. That came after this. Wow.
1: I don't even know how you know that. Because I did the research. How is that in your brain? (laughs) Because I did the research. (laughs) She's a teacher and she did the research. She's good. Good point. Good point.
2: (laughs) That's amazing.
1: It is. I didn't read the outline down here. (laughs) I (laughs) do. (laughs) Now I get it.
0: You get it? Uh Uh-huh. In 2012, 2012, finally, a resolution was passed within the U.S. Senate recognizing the members of the Cincinnati Black Brigade as veterans. You just said 2012. 2012. Because here's the thing. This first group of men, they were never given weapons. They were never meant to fight. And so the question of are they veterans or not was something that people discussed and probably argued about for- Over a hundred years. Oh my God. Yeah. And so finally they were designated as veterans
2: in 2012. So it happened late, but at least it happened. Thankfully. At least it happened.
0: So after all this, I still had another question. What the heck was the connection to all of this? Mm -hmm. Yes. What's the connection between the Black Brigade and Evergreen Cemetery? Here's the thing. In times of war, People don't always stop and write things down, you know, like who's working where, right?
2: They don't have a Jennifer like we did. And also, (laughs) like we know from the Cincinnati riots, that shit was burned to the ground.
0: Good point. But personally, psychically, I believe that the Black Brigade built the Shaler Battery, located in Evergreen Cemetery.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Nicole, intuitively, do you feel as if the Shaler Battery was fabricated by the Black Brigade?
2: Well, first of all, when we were in Over the Rhine and I felt the Civil War and I didn't understand because there was nothing battled within the city. When We went to the cemetery and we were overlooking. I felt like it was a really good fortification because it did feel strategic. Mm -hmm. It was so hilly. It was so whatever. We didn't know, but we were drawn to those headstones. And as you guys have been talking about it, I would say, yes, I think that they did build it. Think about how fast they had to build that. You're not going to stop, as Jen said, and write all of that stuff down. You're just trying to live and defend your the city and the lives of those around you so i would say yes
1: jilly what do you think i agree and even when nicole was talking just now it felt like a storm was coming like everyone was all hands on deck to do what they could to make sure that the city was going to survive and what's really shitty is that the police officers just wasted a lot of time rounding up men
2: instead of just asking people which they again were already ready to support. Exactly. And we're told not and then rounded right. up. I had that thought too earlier. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: it's messed up. Despite the meticulous records that I mentioned that Evergreen Cemetery had kept over the years, and despite those neat rows of headstones marking the graves of the white soldiers, the graves of African American veterans are hard to find at Evergreen.
1: No, those brave men. Mm -hmm. who fought with valor and who put their lives on the line to build an infrastructure to defend the city Mm -hmm. we don't know where they are we don't know where they are
2: i have it i have it the very first photo i took when we got to the cemetery was of a man i sent this to you guys named william horsefall who ran away from home and became a drummer in the Civil War. He hitched a ride on the steamship Annie Laurie, which was docked in Newport. When he was just 15, he received the Medal of Honor for saving the life of a high-ranking Union officer at the Siege of Cornith He served in the Army until March of 1866 and lived the rest of his life in Newport. And that is a sign that they have. And I didn't understand why there was such significance around these graves and feeling really defeated. Like, he, not to take away what he did to save a life of a high ranking officer, but there was such significance around that sign and it just felt flat and I felt defeated. And why do you think that is in hindsight? Because if you're saying that there's unmarked graves and they don't know where they are and also their wives, some of their wives, the, the white soldiers' wives were buried next to them, which you guys even said, that's really odd. You have white people giving a valor and honor and significance and their gravestones marked. And what's really interesting to me is when I looked up at the school and saw those officers or those people standing in line, remember I said that it wasn't this, the union or the confederate. Yeah, the like, uniforms. The uniforms. Yes. And I couldn't see the faces. It was like there wasn't um, skin color. There wasn't, it was just more, it was about the them standing in line and then that being more of that fortification.
0: So the neat rows of soldiers, like you had said just now, those aren't where... The black veterans are, those are reserved for the white soldiers and their wives and their families with them. The black soldiers, many of them, we don't know where they are. Mm -hmm. Because there was one section of the Evergreen Cemetery that was reserved for the black people. And that portion hadn't been kept up over the years. And records weren't good in that section. And now, The headstones,
1: many of them are unreadable and I bet many are gone. Jen, when you guys were just talking, it reminded me of the metaphor that Jen was alluding to earlier that we were looking at graves but without an indication that there mm-hmm. was graves.
0: Yes, when we were standing at the site of the old Newport cemetery, knowing knowing there are graves beneath us but not being able to see them and not being able to locate them, it was a metaphor. Mm-hmm. It was hundred percent a metaphor for standing in evergreen and knowing that there are soldiers. I say soldiers, they're veterans. There, veterans mm-hmm. of the Black Brigade, and no one knows where they
2: are, and they're just, they're gone. And such a, they played such a significant part in the defense yes. of saving lives and saving a city, and yeah, not even knowing where they are. You know,
1: it's really easy to love a country that, like, for me to love America, my mom, like, we're first generation Americans, like, our dads was like American mutt, whatever, but it takes. A special kind of love for a country and a special kind of person to have the bravery to to stand in a line to defend a country that that essentially yeah uh, that enslaves your ass that doesn't see the majority of the people around you don't see your humanity so much so that earlier that week your ass was rounded up right so to think of that To think of those people that came out of hiding after they have been so poorly treated their entire lives Mm -hmm. to defend a country that they believed in the promise of, not even had evidence of, Mm -hmm. but believed in the promise of. I think that's the best idea of an American to me. And I I really want to know where their flag was or how it looked, at least, because they had their own flag. So, Jill, your hit of the potter's field
0: and the pauper's graves, that's, that was just incredible. You, without mm-hmm. that, I, I don't know that we would have landed on this story. Seriously, that was that's incredible. But there are so many other hits. Should we, should we talk about them?
2: Yeah. Being drawn to the Ohio mm-hmm. River, crossing into Kentucky – The makeshift tents as shelter. Now that you've explained fully the story, what I'm getting is when you said that there were men that were in hiding, maybe there was shelter from the churches, shelter Mm -hmm. from that perspective, whatever that looked like. Maybe they were even in the land hiding, literally from that perspective, and the stock. I, you know, people and products, people with stock that really stuck out as well. And then, of course on the school scene the soldiers
0: right oh.
2: and then the whole underground
0: railroad and feeling you know that strong sense of people seeking freedom even after they got to cincinnati they were still still seeking freedom in a sense that's all i got mm. that was a lot
2: that is a lot to <laughs> digest i like a lot in a good way and thank you for doing that in such short notice too oh you're welcome
1: When I think of this story, there's so many things that stick out for me. I want to know more about General Dixon because I think he's an amazing man. I love his quote that you have labored cheerfully and effectively to go to your homes with the consciousness of having performed your duty and bearing with you the gratitude and respect of all honorable men. Mm -hmm. That is just that should be engraved
2: into something. Truly. I love that. And the fact that there was respect given both ways, too, mm-hmm. yes. that they were honoring him with a sword. And then he said that and he's like, no, the honor is all mine. Oh. You served bravely.
1: My
0: goodness. And how much pressure for these men knowing that they're the first, like this has never happened yeah. before. We are the first. We can't fuck this up. You know, like that's a lot of pressure, <laughs> like generations down mm-hmm. the line. It's, it all depends on this.
1: Wow. Well, and they're the first one at the line. They're the first Mm -hmm. line of defense that the the
0: Southerners were seeing. I can't even imagine the valor and the the strength of character.
1: That story needs to be told. Yeah, no, for sure. And this is what I wanted to say. When we do this work, it's really like it's gratifying when we're in the field and to understand our hits. But it's those moments that we're in like a cloud of confusion, just like in this story that we have absolutely no direction to go. (laughs) And to find a story that makes sense about all these hits and the locations that we actually were is absolutely incredible. It makes no sense. If we weren't like, I don't understand how this would happen if it wasn't If it wasn't from spirit, right? Because to me, it's Mm -hmm. so clear in hindsight. It's insane. Well, it was just
2: phenomenal to see. I always, again, I was drawn obviously to your podcast, didn't know you from (laughs) a, listened obsessively, reached out, you were on mine, and then was extremely honored that you would have me be part of it to see how you worked in the field. And then also the research and having the conversation and come full circle And it is so cool to see how even as we're conversing here, we're receiving information from Spirit. It wasn't just on the ground and it wasn't just in through the research, but just how everything, like you said, Jill, comes full circle and those pieces of the puzzle fit. Exactly.
1: More Mm -hmm. on detours. Thank
2: you Mm -hmm. so much
0: for joining us, Nicole. You're amazing.
2: Thank you.
1: I love you so much. Can you please plug all the wonderful things that you're doing?
2: Yeah, so A Psychic Story, apsychicstory.com. The podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And also the book, Looking for Angels, will be available on 1111. Thanks again for having me. Thank
1: you. And for more of your favorite mystics, check out commonmystics.net. Email us at commonmystics at gmail.com. Follow us on the socials at Common Mystics Podcast. And remember to like, download, and follow. Please share. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.